Hello, folks, and welcome to episode five of the Alphorn podcast, sponsored by Betfred and produced by Feed Ignite. My guest today is Rory Jennings. Honestly, this guy is an absolute gent. Such a lovely fella. Obviously, Rory started out as an actor many years ago, as, as a young kid, actually. And we have an in-depth conversation about that. We also, of course, we talk about uh, Rory's love for Chelsea Football Club. Yes, he's a massive, massive uh, Chelsea fan. And of course, you know, we it'd be rude not to um, do a big preview for the Manchester United versus Chelsea game on Saturday at half five. So yeah, we did a little preview for that. All in all, a great discussion with this guy. Just a lovely fella, Rory has a little girl the same age as Sophia, my little girl. So yeah, it was a lovely chat and a highly intelligent guy. You know, so always a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to him. First time I met him was on the kickoff just over a year ago and uh, we hit it off straight away. Lovely guy. Yeah, I really hope you enjoy this, folks. And also very important to note that he has a YouTube channel as well. And I think he's reached 19,000 subscribers in the last three or four days, which is so impressive. So, uh, yeah, I'm delighted for him. Anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was a great chat. Take care. Have a good weekend. Game on. Get £30 in free bets from Betfred when you sign up and stake a tenner. Football, racing, rugby, boxing. Betfred have markets available on all of the biggest matches, races, fights and more. Download the Betfred app from the App Store or Google Play Store or sign up through betfred.com. Game on. 18 plus begambleaware.org. UK and Northern Ireland only. First sports bet of £10 and over in one transaction. Settled in 60 days. Odds evens, brackets 2.0 and over. £30 free bet paid within 10 hours of bet settlement. Seven day expiry. Payment restrictions apply. SMS validation may be required. Full terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. Rory Jennings, thanks so much for joining me, pal. How are you? Mate, it's an honour. Thank, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, all very well, actually. Uh, slightly yeah. out of breath. I, I <laughs> went for a run and realised that we had this booked in and I was slightly <laughs> further away from home than I should have been, so I had to kind of get a sprint on to get back in time. But yeah, all is... Um, all is really well, yeah. 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 All, all well your end? Yeah, I mean, obviously we, we were talking about everything that's going on at the minute just before we started recording and we're, we're in lockdown now in Ireland. Level five restrictions, they call it over here. So, yeah, it's it's, it's, so back, hard, it's, it? it's back to square one. Yeah, yeah. it's tough, so man. Hard. I mean, yeah, good luck. I, I found it, I was quite lucky during lockdown because my wife's not from London, so we had somewhere to get out. Yeah. But I've, I found it very tough, the lockdown, really tough. And yeah. and the fact that we've had to potentially go back into one suggests that they don't, you know, they're not having the effect that people would initially hope they would. So hopefully no. this time it does whatever they think it will. Yeah, 100%. Like, as I was saying to you as well, you know, about, about gyms, you were talking about that before as well. Gyms are closed over here. Right. And I think, I'm, I'm honestly of the opinion that gyms should be open. Incredibly beneficial for people's mental health uh, and there and there is there's, there's a big campaign now on, on social media for the gyms to open over here in Ireland and I think honestly the, the government they, I think they will fold under pressure in the next week or so and yeah. they will end up opening the gyms under the safest measures possible I suppose yeah well hopefully they do if that's you know if it can be done safely they need to try and do that don't they yeah no, absolutely. But I think, I suppose, listen, it's all doom and gloom about COVID, but I suppose both of us as fathers of, you know, our girls are pretty much the same age as a, as a month between them. Like, I'd imagine you got to spend so much time with your little one during this lockdown. It was brilliant. Like, Yeah, I mean, I can't, but lockdowns aren't positive, but we put the most positive spin that we could put on it. And yeah, yeah you know, we, we were out of London, which which was a different lifestyle. Like my wife's from a farm, really remote. So yeah. I was on a farm, I was spending time with the oh, dog, brilliant. running with the dog and the nature. And my daughter was, was loving the animals. And yeah, yeah, it was a different, it was a different experience. Um, and obviously the grandparents were delighted to be yeah. uh, around their granddaughter. So yeah, it was, it was okay. But it's just, the trouble is in amongst all of the nicer things that were going on, that I've just described, I had this nagging, a terrified doubt 
yeah. that work we were never going to work again you yeah. know it, it, it's it's so hard on so many mm. people yeah. and yeah I mean it's just it just needs to I don't know what the answer is naturally because nobody does but mm. something needs to something needs to happen because people are lo- losing their livelihoods left right yeah. and you and I are kind of both in, in the same game with with social media and you know that's kind of our livelihood my livelihood was gigs you know yeah. <laughs> gigs and flying back and forth to to the UK, I, I was doing that most weekends. Yeah, you know. But um, I heard I heard Joe Rogan. I, I listened to that Joe Rogan podcast quite a lot, and he yeah. was actually saying the same thing about comedy clubs and how comedy clubs have closed. Yeah, and has basically decimated that industry. Yeah, oh, it has. It's so sad. It's so, it's so sad for so many people. Mm. And and yeah, I'm worried about what the what the future is going to hold here. Yeah, well, I suppose it as well. It's a case of adapting. I don't know if the if the virtual like the, like if the, you know if this podcast if we if we didn't have COVID I'd be recording this podcast with you in the room one hundred percent yeah I'd find I'd find some way to do it you know but it, it's it's all of the virtual gigs now which are kind of I suppose it's a way of us adapting but I don't know if it has that same authenticity as a live gig I think it's in my opinion on this I think it's actually incomparable I think. Yeah. Meeting people is what we're pre-ordained to do. Yeah. And us being in a room is a dream. But what I do think has happened, I think people have realised that we can't. Sadly, we, you, it's actually impossible for you and I to get together mm. to do this. And I find that people are quite understanding and they, under, and they see that we would love to elevate the production values of this. We would love to be yeah. in a room with an editor, with sound guy, mm. making the best possible podcast that we can. But sadly... We're constricted. You know, I started a YouTube channel and I'm, I'm filming that in my bedroom slash sitting room mm. on an iPhone balanced on my daughter's toy car. <laughs> and people are, I think people are, under, people are understanding because yeah. what else can we do at the moment? Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't rent a studio and get a crew, can I? It's totally impossible. But this laptop is balanced on all of our placemats. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite funny, isn't it? Whatever's in shot, you manage to make like a sort of holding a sock. In whatever's in shot, you manage to make like fairly tidy. Okay, I probably shouldn't have. I probably shouldn't have that stuff on the fridge. But that that section is tidy. If I were to turn the camera in any other direction, it's total chaos, mayhem. Honestly, I'm in, I'm in, in the same bowl as you. I'm looking over at yeah. the sink here. And, yeah, exactly. You know. Just clear. I just clear that corner. Make sure that's okay. Make sure that the fridge is cleanish. I thought they'd be out of shot, but they're not. But apart from that, this house, this is like a bomb site. This house, but just keep that little little section clear. Oh yeah, little, little clean section yeah. here. As you can see, the the lamp here. My my dad made that actually. Very nice. Oh yeah, he's yeah he he loves nice. lo- loves that kind of work. He's he he did it maybe thirty years ago. Well, as it was, yeah, his, right. it was his job, he kind of went self employed for maybe six months with it, but he um. He found his love for it again, and he's made a, bit, a little princess uh, house for for Sophia at the back as well. You oh, know? it's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> There's the free plug, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but listen, I, I want to talk to you. Obviously, we're, listen, but we're going to get to football and and Chelsea um, a bit later on. But I just want to talk about I'm going to talk about acting. Obviously, this is that's how you, you started off in your career. Obviously, you, you haven't done it in a couple of years now. But how, like, my, my brother was actually an actor. Oh, really? Yeah, my brother was an actor. He was in films like War of the Buttons in right. the West. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, he would have been career. He would have been casted by the Hubbards. Yeah, uh, I know the Hubbards. Yeah, Ross. Yeah, yeah Ross. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I think there's, I think the son has taken it on. Da, uh, yeah, Dan. Yeah, Dan it's, Hubbard. It's yeah, Dan yeah. And, and I forget the name, this, uh, the daughter as well. Yeah. No, they're big. You know, they're 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 the elite casting directors in in London. Big, yeah, big uh, big links. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I kind of that that was my memory of him growing up as well. He was in so many films as as a young kid, Irish short films and and UK films. What made you kind of get into acting? What was your kind of in, inspiration? I think I always had an interest. I always had an interest in in the arts. Yeah, um, and. As a result, I went to stage school on the weekend, you know, just to have mm. classes, drama classes and course, dance yeah. classes and whatever else. And I then had a request to audition 
for a film that was being cast. It was an it was a Robert De Niro film. Robert De Niro played Frankenstein. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Uh, Kenneth Branagh directed Mary Shelley's yeah. Frankenstein. Robert yes. De Niro as the as the monster. This is the mid nineties, wasn't it? Definitely? Yeah, mid nineties, ninety four, I think. Yeah, uh, it definitely was ninety four because I remember it interrupted. I like most people from Northwest London. I became. Irish through 1994, obviously, because England weren't in the World Cup and there are Irish people in my family. Yes. So I adopted Ireland and I remember filming. It's a surname, yeah, Genesis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my, yeah the, the, the link is Kerry. I mean, I'm not one of those people that pretends to be, because I find it really <laughs> annoying, but I've got a lot of cousins that really do kind of amplify their, yeah. their Celtic roots. But for that summer, obviously, England weren't in the World Cup. The World Cup was taking place in the States. Yes. But I remember my dad went over there and, and decided to, again, like really emphasize the Irish roots but I was livid because whatever Ireland seemed to be playing I seemed to be in fil- filming I seemed to be on set mm. and I couldn't understand why they wouldn't schedule it around I was like look Ireland are playing Italy here Ray Houghton's about to score the winner why on earth are we working doing this then yeah. so it was definitely so it was definitely 94 and that really wet my appetite because obviously it was a huge production it yeah. was all done at Shepparton Studios and from then on I was really interested really wanted mm. to do it and had a fairly good time of it as a kid. Mm. You know, did some nice stuff. And it's exciting, I, yeah, it's I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah. And, and as a child, it's it's brilliant because obviously when I was when I was older and acting, there was a jeopardy at stake. There was a lot at stake, and mm. you would go for auditions, and effectively you needed them. You needed to get the job, and it was yeah, of course. that added a level of pressure, and the fun dissipated. Yeah. But when you're a kid and you're at school, you go for the audition, and it's great, and you have a good time. You meet people, and you learn your lines, and you do the audition, you walk out of the room, you literally never think about it again. Yeah. Because you're going to play football that night or you're going to school the next day or mm. you're going on some field trip or whatever, you, you know, yeah. you've got so much going on and it doesn't matter. Yeah. So th- acting as a kid, and I did the, I did that uh, that film, that led on to various other projects. I, I did the Fast Show. Do you, do you remember the yes, Fast Show? Yes, of course I remember the Fast Show. It's brilliant. And there were, so there were lots of engagements like that. Yeah. I found so enthralling. Um that I then went to university, didn't do anything remotely artistic at all. Went to Liverpool and did politics. Yeah. But then was very keen to get back into it as an adult. And again, had some luck. It went quite well. And then 08, you know, like around the crash and the recession and what yes. happened yeah. in 08. I think I worked out that it was 2010, 2009 or 10. Mm. I counted the amount of days that I did to, that I worked. I did yeah. 20 days work during Jesus. the whole year. And obviously as an actor, as your brother may tell you, you can do all right financially. That might not yeah. be a bad year, depending on what the work is. You know, I did some adverts yeah. for the post office that were fairly generously paid. Yeah. So I was, financially it was okay, but just like, I've got nothing to do. Like I, I'm going to, I could go to the pub at nine o'clock on a Monday morning and nobody would care. And I needed some structure. I needed to do something else. Basically. Yeah. I started working in TV, and that's when I that's when I went behind the camera. Yeah, and how and how and obviously that's how was that experience for you going behind the camera? And it was great. I, again, I really enjoyed it. You still could be still part of the creative industry. So yeah, a lot more secure than being an actor. You know, a lot more jobs around. Yes, worked on some great projects. You know, I was on Alan Carr and Big Brother. Met my wife. My wife was a producer on Big Brother. Uh, so we worked together on brilliant, that. Brilliant. Um, on uh, work, she was behind. She wasn't on. She wasn't in Big Brother. She was working. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not married to uh, to, to a contestant. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, there were some really good times. And then I was working. And that is actually how I ended up working in the football world, in which our paths crossed. Yes. Because I was working at a company called Fremantle Media. I was working on a series of Britain's Got Talent. Hmm. And whilst I was working there, I could hear the genesis of this football media thing going on in the other room. Hmm. So I'm, I'm working on with writing a biography on Miley Cyrus, Simon Cowell, all of those things I don't care about. And I, simultaneously, I can hear in the room over there, they're talking about, we need to do some filming at Stamford Bridge and we need a producer who has understanding of the football culture and somebody <laughs> who's a season ticket. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? I'm in the wrong moment. room here. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in the wrong room. Um, so it was a fluke, really. And that's when I started working on the Chelsea Fans Channel, which was Fremantle run. So a big yeah. you know, multinational corporation mm. uh, owned Fremantle. 
they invested heavily in that football world, employed me to run the Chelsea channel. Yeah. And that's when that's how I ended up working with all of the people who I think are, are now synonymous with that football, that football world at some point were in the building at Fremantle. So whether it's whether it's the true Geordie, whether it's yeah. Hugh Wizzy, uh, Lawrence McKenna, all of yes. these friendships, even the people behind the camera more, uh, the Adam Boltwoods, um, uh, Elliot Hackney, these people were all at some point involved at the goings-on at Fremantle. So that's where it all started in the football world. Yeah. And, and how, look, how, look how big that has become now, uh, you know, yeah. in 2020. With all of the fan channels, you know, you've got two Manchester United fan channels, Yes, I mean the Liverpool, the Liverpool lads. I, I think, I think the Manchester United boys. I'm, I'm friends with both channels. You know, yeah. I think, I think they both do some really good stuff. I'm friends with both Liverpool channels as well. I, I mm. think I have, a, you know, a good, a good relationship with um, both uh, the uh, Red Men and the Anfield Rap. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's a really interesting dynamic world. And and obviously, what it's what that has led to in a roundabout way you know it, i think um i don't know if it's led to them I, i'd actually probably say it's the other way around i'd say that it's the the brilliance of people like the true geordie and people yes. who have that creative vision mm. and Lawrence mckenna deserves a lot of credit here though yeah they've taken they've taken that beginning that fremantle thought but fremantle didn't have the vision to carry it through mm. and and what we're left with now is the creators owning the product mm. and and packaging it into something that is certain you know like i said before my background is tv mm. and the finished product that you get on a show so i'm fortunate enough to be a guest on that kickoff show the true geordie scene the production oh, yeah. values on that show is comparable totally comparable to the production values of when I was working on Tipping Point or Alan yeah. Carr Chatty Man or whatever TV, you know, proper TV show, it was it's done to the same sort of level. Mm. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you know, people obviously see people be watching the live stream, but when you walk into that room and you see the setup and the, the long table and the lighting, yeah. everything, it I is mean, just you know, top notch. It's, it's amazing. I'm, I know nothing about camera. Anyone who's Anyone who subscribes to my YouTube channel will tell you I know nothing about cameras. Um, mm. But if you look at the the level that is set there uh, and the investment that, that Lawrence and Geordie have put into it, it's mm. elite. It's you know yeah. I, look, look, I'm plucking a number out of my head here, but I think Rowan, who runs a lot of the techie side of the the business, I think he's got a camera that's probably worth fifty thousand pounds. Yeah, wow. you know it's gone from the Geordie story is amazing because. Started with him filming on his mobile phone, on a mobile phone, on an ironing board, Ran and now he's got. Newcastle. Now he's on a six-camera shoot. Yeah, yeah. So it's an amazing story. Yeah, no, it, it it truly is. And obviously, look, we're we're moving on to to Chelsea, and you know, you're you're everyone knows you're you're probably one of the biggest Chelsea fans I've ever met, and one of the most passionate Chelsea fans. Actually, I don't know. You might be, you and my uncle might be. Um <laughs> 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 No, like, what was your earliest memory as a Chelsea fan? What you know, um, positive or negative? Or? No, no. When I was like, I still hold that team, that that initial team that I fell in love with. Yes, uh, with Mark Steen, John Spencer, mm. probably maybe the nineteen ninety four FA Cup final. There was a few okay. that run to the FA Cup final. We beat. Yes. I went on the pitch, and that was massive. Yeah, I went to the semi final and played Luton Town. And Kerry Dixon played for Luton in that game. Kerry Dixon, obviously, a Chelsea legend. Mm. But Kerry Dixon was playing for Luton and the entire ground, the old Wembley, was singing for Kerry Dixon. I remember that vividly. Mm. The final itself was horrific in the pouring rain. Manchester United obviously beat Chelsea 4-0 yes. that day. Yeah. But it could have been boring to do this, but it could have been different. It really could, you know, people <laughs> in the bar in the first eyes. Penalties yeah. were given that were contentious. But anyway. You take your um, chances against a team like that. Oh, Totally. Yeah, no. um, but that's, that was when I fell in love with the game. And then off the back of getting to that cup final, Manchester United won the league. Mm. Which meant Chelsea went into the European Cup Winners' Cup because we yes. didn't win the Cup Winners' Cup, but they won the league. So we were the finalists. So we entered. Yeah. And that run, so that run, that European campaign, that was the spark, I think, for yeah. a lifelong affair with, with a football club. Because yeah. Stamford Bridge these days, I'm the first to agree and admit that it can be sanitised dull 
you can hear a pin drop. It can be, it can be different, but it can also be like that. But those European fixtures, we played Bruges, we played uh, Rails Aragossa, mm. and we could have got to the final. Like, we genuinely could have got to the final. And, you know, if we had, and, but the, the, sorry, I'm, I'm, I get so carried away with these memories. <laughs> if we'd got to the final, it would have been Arsenal. It would have been an all-London final. It would have been Chelsea versus Arsenal in the Cup, yes. Cup final. But the home games of those uh, legs, so the Bruges home game, we lost away 1-0. We came home and won 2-0. Mm. It's one of the best nights of my life. It's like genuinely yeah. one of, probably the best night I've ever had at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Even even all of the glory, yeah, all of the yeah. glory that we saw under under Mourinho and Ancelotti and whoever else, Conte and, doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't compare to that one night when I was nine years old, standing yeah. on a seat, the ground was erupting, and and nothing will ever compare to that for me. You have those memories from childhood, don't you? Yeah, oh, of course I do. As 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 a Man United fan, one hundred percent. I think the. The earliest memory for me was the FA Cup um, semi-final replay when Vieira gave it away to Giggs. Yeah, Giggs. Yeah, yeah, made yeah. that run. I, I remember watching it in the front room. Yeah, um, Burkamp missed the penalty, didn't he? Burkamp missed the penalty. Yeah. Uh, Beckham scored a beautiful goal from around, I think it was around 25 yards yeah. outside the box. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely curling effort. Um, but I'll just... I, I, I always Set you up for the treble. It set us up for the treble. Um, and sure, look, the you know, the the final. I remember. I remember that very well. I remember crying. That Newcastle. No, the the well, the FA Cup final was Newcastle. The the, the Champions League. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember crying for the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> up until up until I the ninety first minute, I was jumping yeah. up and down. I was a kid. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it's it's. I think people often. I don't quite know how this happens because. Football fans are very much the current is always the best. That seems to be how we operate, right? The, yeah. Whatever happened most recently is the best. Yeah. Um, so the best footballer is currently playing. The best team to have ever played the game is yes. currently playing. Yes. You know, that's how people seem to operate. But you know when people do the best team ever, I, I hmm. always think that the treble winners are chronically overlooked. Do you think? Yeah, I'll always say that. I, I always say the treble winning team is the best team to have ever played the game. I'll always say that. You know, people go, "Oh, Raw, who do you think mm. the best Premier League team? Is it the Mourinho team uh, that got ninety five points and lost one game, or is it the Arsenal Invincibles?" I will always say the best team to have ever played the game is the team under Ferguson that won the treble. Do you think so? Yeah, I genuinely do. Well, uh, player for player as well, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah well, that year as well. I think people again, history isn't kind. Often, sometimes mm. too kind, sometimes it yeah. isn't. David Beckham should have been player of the year that year. Yeah, he was phenomenal that year. Do you year. know who won the he Premier was. League player of the year that year? David Genuine. Ginola. Yeah. What yeah. nonsense. How, how can that possibly happen? Yeah, I know. He was just a standout. He was a standout performer. Yeah. I don't know where, where Spurs were mid table that year. Tottenham won the treble. I'm, t- I'm sorry. <laughs> Manchester, United, Manchester United won the treble. How can it possibly not be a yeah. player in that team? But I think, and I think the fact that people don't say that, you know, they don't mention them as one of the greatest teams ever is because they finished, I think, level on points with Arsenal. It was 78 points. Yeah, it's a low point. And they, yeah, and, and they beat them in, in goal difference. Um, what, did the treble winners win the league on goal difference? Yeah. I didn't know that it was a goal 70, difference. 78 points on goal difference against right. Arsenal. Take, I, I, that doesn't, oh, that's interesting, but it doesn't change my opinion at all. Well, if you look at the, the the following season, I think they won it by. Eight, I think they won the league. There was an eighteen point margin between them and Arsenal. Although you did lose five 0 to Chelsea that year. Yes, <laughs> I do remember. Yeah, I remember it was funny, Gus, isn't it? We Gus can have Gus Poyet, Chris oh. Sutton, Jody Morris, Jody Morris yes. doing the. Uh, do you know? Do you know what's quite funny? We can. We're having this conversation, right? pulling out facts. I say to you, who won the who won the uh, Player of the Year that year? You say David Ginola. Yeah. I say you're talking about the Cup Finals. I say oh, it was Newcastle. We have all the information. Mm. If you ask me who scored for Chelsea last weekend, I'd be going, oh my god! Like <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd know, but it would take a second. Whereas all that stuff is just inbuilt, isn't it? It's like in, burnt into your retina. <laughs> yeah, it is a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> it is. I, I I have so much like I. I can remember how many goals some of the yeah. 
you know, the, t- the top goal scorers for, for the club every season. I know, season. it's funny, isn't it? All that 90s stuff. I, I could talk about Chris Bart-Williams and Lars Bohinen all day long. <laughs> all day, like, give me, give me that kind of chat all day long. You know, you know people like, even, even like current members of, of like the Premier League's elite teams. Yeah. I know far more about Paul Warhurst than I do <laughs> Bobby Firmino. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> that was actually one of the one of the most entertaining things about the lockdown. I remember I think I spent at least two or three days just texting people back and forth with all of these football quiz questions. I think I spent a day with Darren Farley, another yeah, yeah, I know brilliant impressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the two of us were going back and forth with these quiz questions yeah. and he was getting one and I was getting one for yeah. him and like great fun. It's just brilliant. Yeah. I think it was name. Was it? No, oh, no we'll, we'll, we'll go on and on about it. It was the 93, 94 season. Oh, name, great. Top six goal scorers, I think. No, name the six players, six Englishmen to have scored over 20 goals. That season. Campaign, that season. Okay, that's a very good question. This is one for the, this is one for the followers. Yeah. Um, I'll try and get one. Ian Wright's got to be in there. He was, yeah, he was one of them. Yeah. Shearer, probably. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it another time. <laughs> Nobody needs to watch me agonise over 90s footballers. On a, and that's where our, our retention goes like that. Bang. <laughs> Listen, we're, 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 unfortunately, we're, we're, we're going to come to the present and talk a little bit about Chelsea. I mean, it, it, it was like, it's been like 2004 all over again with these new signings. Yeah. Uh, Exciting. Yeah, yeah, the spending spree was good. Uh, it was needed. Yeah. Uh, Lampard deserved it. He earned it last year. Mm. You know, people say about the transfer window, who had the best transfer window? Yeah. People will make a case for Chelsea. I would, I think you have to take the transfer window as a whole, right? And what we didn't do, we didn't attack the areas that we desperately needed to attack in, in the right time. Mm. We didn't really get rid of anyone. And I would then also say the player that we did get rid of, the one of the players that we got rid of, Ross Barkley, yeah. would, would be beneficial to us. Mm-hmm. So in terms of did we win the transfer window, I'd actually say no. I'd actually say that we had a good window, but it could have, it could have been better. Mm. But look, if a player like Hakim Ziyech wants to come to your club, you know, yeah. other clubs have been sniffing around him for years. Roma were in the hunt for him for years. Seville were in the hunt for him for years. He turned them down because they weren't a project that he wanted to be part of. He, he opted in for Chelsea. Yeah. If he becomes available, you must take that opportunity. Yeah. And similar with Kai Havertz, you have to take the opportunity. Maybe we didn't need Havertz this year. Maybe we needed to sign Koulibaly this year. But you can't not sign Havertz if you have the opportunity because if you don't, you'll go to Bayern Munich for the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it was a good window. Where the, the problem is though, Rory, where do they all fit? It, um, it's kind of like it's they've been thrown in there. I, I, like we, we do, we all know that that's like, I mean, we've seen it last week with Havertz and, and Werner linking up so well. Like we all know that this team is going to gel and they are going to be a massive problem to, to a lot of top teams in Europe and of course the Premier League. But how long does that kind of how long does that take? When, when will we see this team playing? Well, the problem is what Chelsea now need to demonstrate, and I appreciate that the omens aren't good, Mm. but what the club needs to demonstrate is patience. Yeah. They need to say that this is a project and Lampard needs to be given a minimum of three years. You know, he's had Mm. 18 months. He needs to be given three years. If you aren't seeing the results after three years, then I think that people will question Lampard. I will never question Lampard. I adore the man. But people will question him and they, they would be right. And I think if that were to happen, he'd question himself. You know, he holds himself to very high standards. But not I definitely yet. wouldn't get I, would, I mean, I'm sure, listen, football's a reactionary game. I, I've, I'd, I'd keep him on board. The I problem honestly, is, though, that Chelsea, it's, uh, you've got to remember, we sacked the double-winning Ancelotti in the, yeah, in, the, uh, in the tunnel at Goodison Park. So history tells us that he won't be given time. But do you think, you know... They have to make an exception. Chelsea, yeah, there's an exception because he's Chelsea's all-time goal scorer and Roman obviously loves him, you know. Uh, yeah, he I think Roman, he does. He Roman, he, yeah, I he think he does. Roman with, with some fantastic memories as an owner. So. Yes. 
look, they, they should they should totally and unequivocally back Lampard for the long haul. Yeah, I think they will, but I'm skeptical because I've seen how it's been done in the past. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same our end with Solskjaer. I, 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 I honestly, I am of the belief that Solskjaer has, he, there's something in the works there. You know, we've seen it, we've seen the purple patches. It's just, obviously, it's going on that consistent run. I mean, you look at the other night against PSG, we were so well set up with that 3-5-2. I was actually shocked how well we played. Uh, you got it spot system, on. Because you guys trounced us. In Wembley, when we played a three-five-two, um, he got it spot on. So uh, this yeah. is the, this is the thing with him, though. He seems to have these moments of brilliance. Mm. Like, look, there are there are a fair few examples where he gets it right. There are also yeah. a fair few examples more probably where he gets it wrong. <laughs> but yeah. but you can't take anything away. Going to the Park de Prince and and winning is massive. Yeah, yeah it's huge, and and especially the defensive performance from from the team, which was ba- badly needed. I know they conceded the own goal. But, you know, performances from the likes of Twanzebe and Wanda Saka coming in, it was huge. Twanzebe especially. Yeah. I mean, a year out on the sidelines and to, to, play that, <clears throat> to play that well, it honestly shocked me. I couldn't believe how, how calm and assured he was in that game. It was... Yeah, he did very, he did very well. The, yeah. only, <clears throat> the only reason I don't think you can give full credit to Solskjaer there is because Solskjaer didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah. Like Solskjaer couldn't have predicted that he was going to have the game of his life against um, Mbappe. Against one of the best football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. he got it. He got it right. But I would question how much luck and how much judgment is part of that decision making. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, obviously with our new signings as well. Yeah, it's, it was up and down. Obviously, you know. <laughs> Everyone erupted on Twitter when we didn't get Jaden Sancho, who is a yeah. ch- who turns out to be a Chelsea fan, which he could be. He's a Chelsea fan, but he wanted to sign for United, didn't he? Well, he did. He, he... They, they, they messed up there. The board at United let themselves down there because he, he was ready. It felt like it was totally all set for that to happen. He was, you know, he was in communication with Rashford, with Solskjaer, um, with some, with some of the, I think, with Lingard as well. It was back and forth, kind of. They were everyone was just waiting for the bid to go in. Yeah. Um, United decided to play chess with Dortmund, which was just it, they, they, if they fell flat in their arse at the end of it, Dortmund weren't budging. And fair play to them for not budging is what I say, you know, yeah. because it really did highlight the ineptitude of. of yeah, the- I I just don't know how convinced <clears throat> or how keen Manchester United were to make the signing, actually make the signing, mm. because I think if. That bid was put in to the level that it should have been and the way that it should have been, I think that Dortmund would take it. Mm. It felt set up that they would anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that's, that's the transfer win and I'm, and I'm delighted it's over because it's, it's, it's unnecessary stress. It really is. And moving on, obviously, massive game on Saturday. Half five kickoff, Manchester United versus Chelsea, Old Trafford. Always, always. I, I always say it. It's, it's still to this day, even from the Ferguson and Mourinho days, it's always a tepid affair. It always is. You know, you, you just don't know what the outcome will be coming into to a game like this. Um, how, how are you feeling? Yeah, slightly, slightly apprehensive. I think there's a lot of stake for both clubs here. I think both clubs need a win. Yeah. Slightly worried, to be honest. Um, I think that we got it so right at Wembley the last time we played. Mm. But the two league games last season obviously ended in a victory for you. So it's finally poised. I'm nervous. I, I'm nervous. And I feel like it's not going to go our way, actually. Um, yeah. But saying that, if we get it right, if our defence can play well, that's what mm. it's ultimately going to come down to. And the thing that I'm taking a lot of heart from is the fact that we had a clean sheet against Seville. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that we had a clean sheet for the first time in about a decade feels good. Mm. And, then, and that gives us hope. But it's going to come down to defences. Both, both sides have brilliant forwards. Yeah. You know, the, the, arguably, your, your front three are better than our front three, but nobody would debate how good both sets of, yeah. of attacking. You know, we've got players like Olivier Giroud and Tammy Abraham, who was our top goal scorer last year. We've got them on the bench. Yeah. So both clubs are very, very gifted going forward. 
but both clubs have it in them to totally mess up going be, be a game of mistakes potentially yeah does De Gea have a good game does yeah. you know does Mendy start does he play please you know I'm, I'm assuming he will but it's yeah. just going to come down to the defences there, I think there is I think there's massive potential for uh, calamitous defending <laughs> on yeah. Saturday yeah uh, no doubt especially especially with, with both of the attacks I think with Werner I think Werner and Havertz will cause a lot of a lot of problems if Solskjaer starts with Maguire and Lindelof at the back I think there's going to be major issues major issues I think you, you just put put Twanzebe in there again uh, I think he will after the other night it's very difficult he to made drop a him. case yeah it's yeah. very difficult to drop him yeah. and in the midfields it's two two solid midfields coming up against each other I think Will we be seeing Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante in the midfield three? Or I think whatever happens, Kovacic has to play. Kante and Jorginho are terrible together. They just yeah. offer nothing. And I think Kante is one of the best midfielders to have ever played the game in the Premier League. You know, yeah. His name deserves to be mentioned among the best. And even he looks terrible in that sort of system. What's happened to Kante? What do you think is going on with him? Well, I, th- I don't think the problem is Kante. I think the problem is Jorginho. Jorginho doesn't do anything. I don't know yeah. what he does. I don't know what he's good at. I don't know what he's meant to do. Everything that I like from a midfielder, and we've been very blessed over the years with elite-level midfielders, you're looking at Michael Ballack, Michael Essien, Frank Lampard, Claude McAlealy. Mm. I knew specifically what they would do. Frank Lampard would grab any game by the scruff of the neck, launch Chelsea to a victory that perhaps they wouldn't deserve. Michael Ballack, biggest stage, semi-finals at Old Trafford, scores the two goals, Chelsea win the game. Yeah. I don't know what Jorginho does. I just don't know. But like, I was watching a highlights reel of Frank, uh, not a highlights reel, just an old clip of Frank Lampard. Chelsea mm. were playing Stoke and uh, Scolari was about to be sacked. Chelsea losing mm. 1-0 to Stoke. In the last two minutes of the game, Frank Lampard scores two goals. I just can't see a world where Jorginho can Jorginho do does anything that. like that. Yeah. When yeah. you think about what Frank, uh, you know, you think <clears throat> outside, think of the best midfielders in the game. You think of pivotal moments. Roy Keane dragging United to victories in Turin. You yeah. think of Steven Gerrard dragging Liverpool to victories in Istanbul. I can't think of Jorginho. I can't imagine Jorginho ever doing that. I know he's a different sort of player, but he's a mm. midfield player playing central midfield. He's captain the club. Mm. Not for me. Just doesn't do. It just doesn't do anything. And yeah. hipsters like him. You know, he's a beautiful footballer, and he, the way he plays the game. And yeah. you should see the way he picks up the ball on the half turn. I don't care how many goals he's going to score in a season. And the answers, the answers, five at best, including a couple of couple of penalties, including a couple of penalties he'll miss. Is is this also because uh, I know when we were on the kickoff last year, uh, we kind of had had a debate over Sari. Is this because he's a, is a Maurizio Sari signing? Oh, mate, were you on that show? Was that the show? The, yeah, the 4 0. The one where it went, oh, right. Was that where it was? Right, okay. Yeah. That was a, right, okay. No, <laughs> I, had, I had a show before that about Sahari that went wild. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, it wasn't that one. <laughs> I, I don't care who signed him. I yeah. appreciate that he's probably a good player in a particular system. But yeah. this isn't the system. I don't think this is the league. And he's just not what we want from a midfielder. He doesn't offer mm. anything, doesn't do it. Like, what is the point of him? As a Manchester United fan, you're going to see Jorginho and you're not even going to notice he's on the pitch. You're not going to care. Okay, Jorginho is there. Oh, we've got to watch out. You know, we've got that, oh, that Pulisic is playing. That's not good. Oh, Werner's playing. He scored two the other day. He looked really lively yeah. against Southampton. Jorginho's playing fine. Uh, and you disregard him. It's totally insignificant. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Some, that'd be kind of similar. Sometimes I don't really know what Jorginho does. You know, does he play kind of in, that, in, the, in the pivot role or does he play in kind of a more central role? I don't really know what he does. All, all I've kind of, you know, know about Jorginho is his penalties. Yeah, <laughs> which know? he started to miss as well. He, he missed, well, yeah. 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 So did Bruno as well. Bruno missed. Yeah. But Bruno he unofficially missed uh, one the other night and missed. Yeah, he got away with it. <laughs> he got away with it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do think that the midfield battle will be intriguing anyway. Uh, and obviously, you know, the, the front three, I think we'll be looking at, is it Havertz, Werner and Pulisic front three? I think the way that it might go, I think Mount will feature. Yeah. I think Mount will play because he's integral to the way that Chelsea play under Lampard. Mm. So Mount will play. 
a lot of the academy graduates are are kind of you could say prove trying to kind of prove a point this season yeah. as well, aren't they? With, with yeah. some of the new I mean, signings coming. If in. you look at our game against West Brom, yeah. you know, we had a summer spending spree, but all our goals that day were Hudson Adoy, Mason Mount, and Tammy Abraham. Yeah. It was the boys from Cobham yeah. who saved our bacon. Yeah. I, so, I think yeah. as well. I, I I really rate Tammy Abraham. I think he's, I think he's a, he's a top quality striker. So uh, you know, and he's I think he's consistent as well. I think he can cause problems, you know. And I think at at some point or another, he will kind of give Werner a run for his money in that spot. Now Werner's in form. He's hit form last last week, obviously getting the two goals. But I do rate Tammy Abraham. Yeah, Abraham will will do a job for Chelsea. I mean, there is a world in which they could play together as well. You know, yeah. Werner. Werner plays slightly wider and, and yeah. let Tammy Abraham lead the line. So there is a world in which it can happen. Yeah. And competition is healthy, of course. Totally. You know? It's essential. Yeah. Um, with us, I think, yeah, with, with our midfield, I think I'd love to see Van der Beek feature, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't know what's going on with uh, Van der Beek. Anytime he comes on, he, he, looks, he looks sharp. I just don't think maybe he doesn't fit into uh, Solskjaer's system because he plays a kind of similar role to Bruno. So I think you're going to see a midfield three probably of Bruno. I, th- I think it could be the same. I think it could be Bruno, McTominay and Fred and Pogba and Van der Beek and Matic on the bench. Or he could put Matic and Fred in there. It's a good team. You know, it's a really, yeah. this is why when you, when you hear the names like that, it's a really good side. Yeah. So, so I think it's going to be finely balanced. Mm. I just hope that Luke Shaw plays and I hope that Lindelof plays. Because I think that gives, and I hope Maguire plays to be honest as well. Because I think that yeah. gives us half a chance. Well, I think he could go. He he could go for three at the back again. He could try it out again with Shaw playing as a a left centre centre back centre back, and um, Maguire in the middle, and then Twanzebe to to the right. And I think the wing backs will be Wambasaka and Telles again. Telles mm. was Telles was very. He he was um, he was brilliant the other night in his debut. He looked very good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah, I think I think it's very finely balanced, but it's going to come down to the to the defenses. Like you know, it's fun yeah. for us to talk about the brilliance of Werner or the brilliance of Fernandez or whoever. Yeah. But ultimately, this game <clears> is decided <throat> by Luke Shaw or Mark Alonso. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And as I said, always it's always kind of a shaky affair. You're kind of like. I, I don't know. It's just one of those games that I always kind of get nervous for, and it, and it dates back to, to the, you know, the fixtures in the in the mid two thousands between, you know, Mourinho and Ferguson, um, and, and then Ferguson and Ancelotti later on. I don't know. You know, the game can swing one way or or the, or the other. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's match winners on both sides. So. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine there'll be goals in it. That's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's go away from that game and, and, and I want to just go back to Chelsea. I had troops on a few weeks ago and I asked him what his all-time starting eleven for Arsenal was. And of course, I'm going to ask you the same thing with Chelsea. Okay. Okay. A bit of notice would have been nicer. Uh, <laughs> I okay, apologise. I apologise, buddy. <laughs> okay. Um, our all-time eleven. I think it's fairly self-explanatory. I mean, it's definitely going to be Petr Cech in goal. Yeah. It's definitely going to be Ashley Cole at left back. Yeah. I will. It's a toss up between Paolo Ferreira and Ivanovic right back, but I'm going to go for Ivanovic. Yeah. Centre halves will be John Terry and Ricardo Carvalho. Yeah. yeah I, Terry and Carvalho. Terry and Carvalho, I think. I mean, um, it's very difficult for me because an older generation will start talking about different different possibilities here like they'll start talking about Ron Harris for certain positions but yeah. I'll go for my the best players that I've seen and it will be yeah. it'll be that back line um, we'll keep it traditional we'll go 4-4-2 four, four, yeah on the oh, it's difficult actually so we'll go definitely Frank Lampard central midfield mm. I would have Dennis Wise as a winger okay I would have Arjun Robben as a winger yeah. And Roberto Di Matteo alongside Frank Lampard. Yeah. And up front, up front, it's Gianfranco Zola and Didier Jogba. Yeah. That's a solid team. 
it's a good thing. Yeah, but then you see, I, I think what's gen, the general wisdom around the club would say that the front, that Peter Osgood, who is our our greatest, you know, one of our greatest ever, yeah. the king of Stamford Bridge, he needs to be in it. But I never saw him play. You know, he he won the FA Cup that, with us yeah. in 1970, so I can't I can't really put that in. That's exactly. If I'm giving you a United eleven, I'm not obviously I can't put. You know, yeah, you even, even Dennis Bro- Law in, can you? Dennis Law, best yeah. Charlton, or even Brian Robson. You know, I, yeah. I, you know, it was mid nineties for me when I kind of yeah. noticed it. You know, is that the team for you then? But if you were to do it, is it is it fairly? Is it basically the European Cup team? Um, with Ronaldo thrown in, in 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 goals, I, I was lucky enough to to see Peter Schmeichel. Towards yeah. the uh, his his twilight the twilight end of his career at United, so I'd put him in goals, left back. Dennis Irwin. I put, put Dennis Irwin in. No, I'd put Dennis Irwin in hundred percent because you know I watched him for Ireland. I yeah. watched him for Man United. Uh, probably one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life as well. Really, <clears throat> oh, he's such a good player. Such a good, such, such a good free kick. The most consistent player. Yeah, I've ever seen Dennis Irwin. He just. Yeah, he constantly, he, you know, he'd, he'd give you a 7 out of 10 average every game. Every single week. Yeah. Every Great single plan. week. Yeah, um, it's Ferdinand and Vidic for me uh, at the back. Stam as well. Stam was so impactful, even though he was there for such a short period. Yep, Stam was unbelievable. But no, it's Ferdinand and Vidic. Just that that partnership was yeah. incredible. V- Vidic being the, the no-nonsense brick wall and Ferdinand the Rolls Royce beside him it was just the perfect partnership chalk and cheese defenders but worked so well together right back Gary Neville um, just consistent got to put Gary Neville in there yeah. um, right midfield Ronaldo uh, centre of the park Scholes and Keane left midfield Giggs of course and then up front see this is the problem up front um, well, I suppose actually, no, put Ronaldo up front, put Beckham right midfield, and then I think I think for me, Ronaldo and Rooney up front, yeah, yeah, it's difficult though, isn't it? So, so it's none so, of the boys that won the European Cup are in the, the, the treble, sorry, I get skulls and Keane and Giggs, and I know up front, oh, up front, front. So no. none of that, so not no. Cole, not not Cole, not York, not Sheringham, not Solskjaer. No. Yeah. But they were unbelievable. Hard, isn't it? It's hard for you, obviously. It's, it's, it is, yeah. It's, it's tough. For most clubs, like, we're never going to mention him when we talk about Manchester United. But if you're doing a Tottenham one, they're probably putting Berbatov in it. You know, like, you've had so many yeah. great players that don't get a look in because 100%. of the standards that you've set. They put Berbatov and they put Robbie Keane in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, you know. But yeah, no, it, it is. It's, it's tough to, to, to choose from. Rory, I just want to. There's two, there's two last things I want to kind of end it on. Your YouTube channel, you've just you you launched it a couple of days ago. Yeah, I know we were talking earlier about it, but I'm just counting now. You're up to nearly. I, th- I think you are. You're on nineteen thousand subscribers. Oh, I'm honoured. It's it's uh, it's it's really exciting, and I'm so grateful to everyone who's who's subscribed. I'm shocked. Uh, well, I'm as shocked as anyone. Ah, uh, listen, you're a, you're a very likable guy, Rory. Do you know what I mean? That's very no, cool. very likable, and I think you know, and and Pete, your 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 football. I value your football opinion. I you know I I listen in on on the streams. I watch the streams as well, and you know it's great the debates that you guys have. I think that the rapport that you the four of you have is brilliant. Yeah, you it's know, nice. Isn't it? I thoroughly love doing it as well. You, it's yeah, it's great. It honestly is. It's great fun watching it. And you know, I, I was I was so happy to be a, a guest on it as well. Have a bit of fun. I look forward to you coming back. God knows when it will be. But ah, oh, Touchwood, man, Touchwood. I'll, I'll be back and we'll have a bit of fun. And you know, they'll they'll press the impression buttons at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That will happen for sure. <laughs> well, come here. We, 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 I have to end on this. I, I'm so sorry I didn't tell you about this, but um, we did this last week with Paddy McGuinness. Um, you have Paddy McGuinness on? I had Paddy on last week. Wow. Paddy was great. This is called <laughs> The Wheel of Impressions. <laughs> okay. This, this was made by um, my, my brother's girlfriend. I like it. Brilliant. She's brilliant. Now I don't know if you can read them properly there, but you have I can the names see there, some of them. And you've got the 
Yeah, go on. There. Give it a okay. big spin. So what happens is, you know, you, you have to try and learn the impression, Rory. I'm oh, gonna I have to do it? I'm going to teach you. The actor okay. in you, the actor in you will, will be no bother to you. Okay. So I can't really see what it's going to land. Go on. This, I'm going to be is, terrible at this. You're going to be great. Don't worry. So we're landing on Gordon Ramsay. Gordon, I thought it said Aaron Ramsay. I was like, I have no <laughs> idea how Aaron Ramsay sounds. <laughs> Aaron Ramsay. Like, seems like a you know, remarkable football player. Doing very well in Italy, but I'm not sure I can... Uh... <laughs> okay, Gordon Ramsay, right. Okay, well, of course, you've got to be very kind of like that. Okay, straight to the button. Clapping your hands. Wow. <laughs> oh, I do not have this in me. I, I, do you know oh, what I'll do? For I'll... God's sake, Rory, come on, you can do it. Do you know? Do you there know what? Big fridge in the background. The best fridges in Europe. Fantastic! <laughs> Come on, you can do it. Okay, I, I, no, I can't do this. I can't. I can't. What's your favourite meal that you like to cook? That's incredible. What you're doing is incredible, but I don't have it in me to do that. You I do, love the, I love the You breathy, do. You can. The, the breathy, twitchy thing. Okay. Oh, for do you know what fuck's I'm, I'm sake, do? Rory! Come on, I know you've got it in you. What's your favourite meal when you're cooking a steak on the weekend or something like that? Okay. A steak or a, or a lovely, you know, sublime kind of chicken tikka masala. You know, Ow. does the inner Ramsey come out of you? <laughs> that is or is it incredible. Jamie Oliver? Or is, or is, is it him? <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm truly, I'm truly uh, <laughs> bewildered as to, as to how brilliant that was from you. But sadly, I, I just, I know my limitations. I'm a man who knows his limitations. And I do not have it in me to be able to do that. But that was incredible. The breathy, twitchy thing that you were doing there was spot on. And very, very good. Very entertaining as well. Uh, stop. Well, look, mate, it was, look, absolute pleasure having you on. You're a gent. And hopefully, again, as you said, we, we get to meet up. I'll get I'm to fly over to, to the UK. Immensely. Yeah, yeah. When, when all this, when all this is over and we're, you know, everyone's kind of smiling and we're happy again. And, you know, the world is kind of back to some form of normality. 100%. I can't wait. Thank you so much. It's great to be on. Pleasure. Cheers, Cheers Pat. Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org. Singles only. Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion. Visit Betfred.com slash promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions.